What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering? Or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. This is a special episode as the NCIA team has had just a few days to digest and process the results of the 2020 U.S. election, including five new states who passed cannabis reform laws for medical or adult use, which is really exciting for our movement and industry. So today we're talking with NCIA's very own co-founder and CEO, Aaron Smith, and our director of public policy, Andrew Klein. Welcome you both to the show today. So let's, let's jump right in. Let's start with some quick backgrounds before we start talking policy, just for our listeners. Andrew, uh, would you share with some of your professional experience in the past with U.S. politics before joining the team at NCIA? Um, sure. I've been in cannabis for about three years uh, before that. I was a federal prosecutor in D.C. for <clears throat> about 14 years, um, six of which uh, were spent prosecuting uh, human trafficking cases around the country. Um, and I also worked for Biden when he was uh, a senator. I was a lawyer on the Senate Judiciary Committee for him and then worked uh, as a crime policy advisor when he was uh, VP. Awesome. Great. It's great to have your perspective today. And Aaron, uh, you have been involved in cannabis reform for about two decades or more. Tell us briefly about that. Um, yeah, make you sound like a dinosaur there, Bethany. Um, yeah, thanks for, <laughs> for, uh, for having uh, us here. It's always good to do this. And uh, yeah, I've been you know um, here working in the reform movement on, in some capacity or another for um, not quite two decades, but getting there, I guess. And I uh, have watched the industry, you know, develop and, and have been you know, proud to be a part of that. And NCIA is just about, um, gosh, maybe even to the, to the week uh, is hitting our um, 10th anniversary. And so um, it's, it's really gratifying to see 
so many states move forward with in, in public opinion, um, you know, at, a, at an all time high uh, as we enter our um, 11th year representing the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing about your dinosaur comment. You know what they say about dog ears and cannabis, right? <laughs> So I'm like 140, I think. <laughs> All right. So, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've had just a few days to get into these results of the 2020 U.S. election. And I want to start with overall impressions first, as we're recording today on Monday, November 9th. Last week was probably the longest week of my life. How is it for you, Andrew? Uh, definitely the same. I, uh, I was working doing voter protection, uh, including on election day from four in the morning until 9 p.m. So it was a very long week. Um, I'm glad the week is behind us. I'm I'm, uh, very excited, uh, I guess, cautiously optimistic because, um, you know, it looks like Trump is going to be challenging uh, some of the vote counts, but we shall see. Um, I I think we're going to be okay but um, I don't know what Trump has got up his sleeve, so. Sure, sure. The next 70-something days are certainly going to be interesting as we head toward January 20th. Uh, Aaron, how are you doing after surviving last week? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all on the same page. You know, I, um, you know, as I, I, I often preface what I say with, you know, NCIA is a nonpartisan organization, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm a first and foremost um, a patriotic American and uh, this whole uh, national nightmare of the Trump administration has has been a heavy weight on on all of us. And um, on uh, Saturday, you know, Saturday morning, um, just getting the the news that you know, we I think we kind of knew it was going to get called, but when it finally happened on Saturday morning, and I, you know, I know where I am, my my neighborhood erupted in uh, cheers because I'm in a deep blue uh, sector of Denver over here, um, and it was just such a just feeling a sigh of relief, really collectively around the around the country. Um, and now it's time to start uh, trying to, you know, unify and bring bring people together, and you know, figure out how we can uh, not be so divided as a as a country between, you know, the, the city people and the rural people. And uh, that's, you know, this is my again personal personal opinion, but it's uh, it's I think it's on the minds of everybody in this country right now who who's paying any attention. Yeah, yeah. Personal opinion over here. Definitely woke up that morning with with some tears of joy, which it's been a long time since I've experienced that. So, so Andrew, I think it's safe to say we're clear on who our next president and vice president will be on January 20th, 21. We'll get there. While we didn't see any real federal action one way or another relating to cannabis these last four years, what can we gather about what the impact of a Biden-Harris White House administration might have on our cannabis policy reform efforts? Yeah, thanks for that question, Bethany. You, you know, look, the bottom line for me is I think it's going to be very positive. Um, I think it will be much more positive if we're able to pull off uh, two wins in Georgia to take the Senate. Um, but I think taking the White House is, is a big deal, and uh, I'll tell you why I think that. Um, you know, if you just look at history over the last few years, it's really been Democrats who have been um, supporting uh, 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 cannabis reform. So, you know, the Democrats passed the Moore Act through House Judiciary with one Republican supporting the bill. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has said she's going to bring that bill to the floor this month. 
Um, but, you know, it's not going to see the light of day in the Senate because of Mitch McConnell. And, and it looks like Mitch McConnell is still going to be there uh, January 21st of 2021. Um, you know, the Democrats passed safe banking on the House floor by an overwhelming vote of 321 to 103. And, and Mitch McConnell and Mike Crapo have done nothing to move that bill in the Senate. Um, Democrats passed CJS approps protecting both medical and recreational in 2020. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate have only supported protecting medical programs. Uh, of course, the Obama administration drafted the call memo, providing some clarity for the industry on enforcement priorities. And the Trump administration rescinded that, that memo. And of course, Bill Barr has been messing with cannabis companies as he's been looking at um, um, antitrust cases and spending quite a bit of resources there. And so generally, you know, my view is that the Democrats have been much better um, on cannabis. Now, you know, as we know, Biden has not come out uh, for descheduling. His plan calls for the de decriminalization of cannabis um, and then rescheduling through executive action to schedule two. Um, he said he wants to legalize medical cannabis. He wants to respect state laws regarding adult use. Um, he wants to continue the prohibition of the use of DOJ resources against state legal businesses. And he wants to automatically expunge past criminal records. So all that is great. Um, I think it's, you know, real progress. Um, you know, look, rescheduling is a less than ideal solution compared to descheduling, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. We, we, get, to, um, we get to do research uh, that we're unable to do now. Um, you know, if we were to reschedule to schedule three as opposed to, as opposed to schedule two, uh, it would fix 280E. So I am hoping that the administration will take a little bit of a harder look and consider maybe rescheduling to schedule three, because that would be a big deal um, for the industry if we could get rid of 280E. Um, my, my biggest question right now is if we reschedule, what does that mean for FDA authority? Um, I just want to make sure we're not going to create a prescription drug model um, where, you know, you have to do clinical trials and spend lots of money and then you're buying cannabis at CVS. Um, but putting that aside, I think, you know, I think the administration is going to be much better than the Trump administration. I think certainly Kamala Harris is going to be a big ally. Um, interestingly enough, it looks like, you know, Barbara Lee's at the top of the list to replace her in the Senate. Uh, that would certainly be a huge win for the industry. Um, my guess is that there'll be, you know, a Cole Memo 3 uh, issued at some point early in the administration. But, you know, look, I mean, the administration is going to be busy dealing with the pandemic and a recession um, and, you know, restoring our, our uh, standing in the world. And so cannabis may not be on the front burner, um, but I think it's going to be much better than it was before. Absolutely. Thanks for that insight. And considering the pandemic earlier in the spring during the strictest of lockdowns, cannabis was an essential business. And I think that just underscores how our industry is creating jobs, providing medicine, and we're able to operate and provide people uh, this, this service. This, these dispensaries are ad adapting their business practices and cannabis prevails even during this pandemic, and that's allowed people to keep their jobs and more tax revenues to be generated for these states, which revenue is, is something that all these states are going to be looking at as they, they are spending money on uh, the pandemic for sure. So we're about to take our first commercial break, 
And then we're going to come back and talk more with the team here about these five new states uh, that have passed either legal adult use cannabis or medical marijuana. So that brings us up to like 15 states that have legal marijuana on the books and 36 with with medical cannabis in the very least. So it's a very exciting time for our industry. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back from the commercial break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we're talking with Aaron Smith, the CEO and co-founder of NCIA, as well as Andrew Klein, our Director of Public Policy. And we're unpacking this 2020 election cycle here the week after. So as far as good news goes, we are super excited about those five new states that I mentioned voting to pass either medical or adult use marijuana laws last week. Cannabis was a big winner yet again this year in South Dakota, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, and Arizona. What does this mean for our industry going forward? Obviously, it takes a little while for these laws to go into effect, but the ball's rolling, right, Aaron? Yeah, this was really um, an amazing resounding victory for uh, reform, not just in those five states, but but really is going to have an impact across the country. And in that, you know, from a from a business perspective, you know, you might look at these states and say, well, these are mostly smaller uh, states, um, you know, that don't might not have a huge uh, cannabis market overnight. Um, I think it's something around three billion total and increase in in market size when you combine the five, um, according to ArcView uh, research. Um, but strategically, well, for one, uh, you know, I'll say I don't want to um, undercut the value that this has to the people in these states that voted for these initiatives, the patients, the consumers, um, the, 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 the tens of thousands of arrests that will be avoided and the millions in tax revenue that will be mm-hmm. uh, going into the coffers of these states. But from a, you know, if you, from a 30,000 foot perspective and you look at the, the strategic value of the, these wins, uh, it's really like no other. You know, when you look at um, 2016 was, we got the big, you know, the big giant state of California and it was a huge win for the industry. But in, in a lot of ways, it was kind of seen as a, you know, this is a, a blue state. It's Hollywood and San Francisco, you know, doing something on marijuana. And that's kind of how the, I think the middle America and the, and the Republicans looked at that. And if you think, you know, that was four years ago and that passed with 57% of the vote. Fast forward to last week, Montana, a deep red state of Montana passed with the same margin. Uh, states like New Jersey was close to 70% last I looked, and Arizona is at 60%, um, a purple state. And, and this really, in South Dakota, as you mentioned, of course, is you know the 
very, very red state, not only had, that was one of the four states at the time had no marijuana reform legislation on the books at all and went from that to passing both adult use and medical um, with a with 54% margin on adult use, 70 on medical. And then of course, the you know, in the deep South, Mississippi uh, passed with a super majority, passed initiative 65 in spite of the fact that a Republican, the Republican legislature put a confusing initiative on the ballot to try to split the vote. And uh, that still moved, you know, that still passed with a resounding support. And it's, and it's the fact that we have these, this really showed a bipartisanship around our issue. In 2016, the, 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 the initiatives that passed, passed all in states where Hillary Clinton won. And then we lost in Arizona where, where Trump won. So it really looked like, okay, well, this is a blue state thing. This year, it's actually mostly red states that moved forward. And, and in every single case, all of these states, cannabis outperformed the next, the vice, uh, I'm sorry, the president-elect. Great to say that, <laughs> President-elect Biden. Um, you know, so every single one of these states, marijuana reform uh, outperformed the next president of the United States, including New Jersey and Arizona, states that, that where he won. Um, and you look at Montana, uh, marijuana slightly outperformed uh, Senator C Steve Daines, uh, who won re-election, a Republican senator there. Um, and I think that as we, you know, talk about how this affects the the the, that the national picture, it's not only sending that message that this is, you know, this this issue is settled in the in the minds of voters on both sides of the aisle. Um, we also are sending more uh, members to Congress who who represent uh, states. Uh, with with you know modern cannabis laws, 23 new members of the House, including seven Republicans, and and uh, another you know another eight percent increase in the representation of the Senate, including a few Republicans there. So uh, really really exciting uh, prospects out of the states. And I think when you see um, the the number one driver in whether or not somebody in Congress is going to support the industry is whether or not. Uh, the you know whether or not they have an industry in their state and whether their you know their voters have uh, you know have registered uh, their support for marijuana reform or medical marijuana and and so we certainly um, sent a, a great message and I think that it's going to uh, just kind of exponentially go from here. Absolutely, cannabis for president in twenty twenty four apparently. <laughs> right. I mean, it's this is. I mean, the other thing is this is such a divisive election. You know, this country is divided right down the middle. And this is an issue that they are not divided on. So uh, cannabis can bring people together in many, many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see cannabis is, is a bipartisan issue as well. Um, Andrew, did you, did you have any thoughts to add about these five new states and, and the, the shift in Congress as well? No, I mean, look, I would just highlight what Aaron said. It's super exciting to see states like Montana and South Dakota and Mississippi coming online. I think it, it sends a pretty clear message that, you know, I don't know if um, you guys saw this, but there was a Gallup poll that just came out yesterday, um, or maybe it was this morning, you know, 68% of the population supports recreational. Um, so super exciting time for the cannabis industry. We just need to get uh, Congress on board. Absolutely, for sure. So big picture questions at this point. Um, Aaron, you mentioned that we're basically right at NCIA's 10-year organization, 10-year uh, as an organization founded in 2010, all the way here to 2020. Um, that's a huge accomplishment. 10 years ago was a completely different landscape for cannabis. There was only medical cannabis on the books. Fast forward to today, 
10 years of NCIA and all the work we've done as an organization, there's a lot to be proud of. I know the whole staff is proud as well. I'd like to hear what that means to you as, as we're at that point of definitely 10 years and what that means for our industry. Yeah, you know, I, um, you know, I'm really proud of, of not, you know, the, of course, all of us on the staff, but, but most importantly, the members that uh, came together, especially early on. Um, there was, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of people within our own movement thought that it was, you know, it was not a good idea to, to really characterize the cannabis business sector as an industry. And, um, you know, that uh, there, there were folks that were against us because we, we supported legalization in Colorado and Washington state. Um, you know, and that now, you know, now those folks are, are certainly, you know, you know, hopefully making good money uh, operating in those states. Um, and, you know, but for them, and as we've seen so much growth, uh, and see it, you know, I think a lot of people maybe nowadays in the industry don't necessarily know what it took to get here. Um, you know, most, most people weren't that are currently operating right now in the industry probably didn't even have the industry on their radar while we were, you know, slowly building support in Congress and really building the industry to what it is. And, uh, and that's really due to the, uh, to the members that, that came on board early on and stuck with us. And um, I, I'm very optimistic that the next, uh, I'm confident that the next 10 years are going to be, uh, you know, absolutely game-changing. At the end, you know, at, at NCAA's 20th anniversary, we will, will have been already deep into an era where cannabis is uh, legal coast to coast and, and regulated at the, you know, at the federal level in a, in a manner, you know, appropriate for, uh, substance as safe as, as cannabis is. Um, and, you know, I think we'll be, see, we'll be seeing, we'll be, we'll, we'll not only be talking about interstate commerce, we'll be talking about international commerce in cannabis products by then. Um, certainly when you, you know, you look at public opinion at six, 68%, like Andrew said, I mean, that's uh, very, very little, there are very little issues that, that enjoy that kind of support. And it's been growing just exponentially. And, and it's only a matter of time before Congress and the administration catch up. And uh, it's, it's happening. Um, I think I, you know, as far as NCIA's role in it, I, I think that our role is more important than ever in that um, legal, you know, wh whether it happens in the next two years or the next four years, legalization at the federal level is essentially, um, it's, it's happening. It's a, it, and um, it's, you know, because of our work, it's going to happen and, and it, it's not inevitable, but you know, it's, it's looking almost inevitable at this point. But what's really important is that NCIA uh, represents the broadest swath of the cannabis industry uh, and has a seat at the table when the rules are being drafted uh, in DC. You know, we around, you know, with FDA and others that are going to be drafting legislation or drafting the, the federal regulations affecting cannabis. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we were the only game in town lobbying Congress. Uh, these days, I can't say that. There are, there are uh, you know, several different uh, large companies that are doing their own lobbying, which is great. And we, we stand with them and work side by side with them. Um, but it's going to be really important that they're not the only ones with a seat at the table when drafting the rules, because uh, we, you know, we want to make sure that this is a uh, industry with a regulatory environment that, that allows all businesses of all sizes uh, to, to thrive. Absolutely. hundred percent. We're going to take our uh, last commercial break here and then we'll come back to wrap up our conversation with Aaron Smith and CIA's CEO and co-founder and Andrew Klein, our director of public policy. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart. Where is it? Not that kind of pot. 
Smart Pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, Smart Pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart Pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million Smart Pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for Smart Pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been unpacking the election results from last week, uh, the longest week many of us have ever experienced. So I, I want to reiterate something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, and, and that's related to COVID-19. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, cannabis was deemed an essential business back in the spring uh, during the strictest of lockdowns in various cities. Could, as we're doing this 10-year reflection, 10 years ago, 10 years into the future, could could you have ever predicted? I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question in a way, but it, it, it really speaks to the progress that we've made as an industry. Andrew, what were your thoughts about cannabis being deemed an essential business earlier this year? Well, it's sort of, you know, similar thoughts to the, to, to the polling numbers, you know, just seeing all these governors across the country, really with the exception of one, um, not only deeming cannabis essential, but allowing for, you know, sales outside, um, you know, changing regulations to accommodate the pandemic so that people could access their medicine um, was groundbreaking. It just completely groundbreaking. Um, and it's shocking to me, frankly, that given that that, that happened, that Congress didn't find it necessary uh, to then take action and pass safe banking as part of COVID relief. Because, you know, what we saw with governors was they were allowing, you know, cash transactions in parking lots uh, because there's no, there's no ability to do credit card transactions. And, you know, that's not safe during a pandemic. And so, you know, while I was really encouraged by the actions at the state level, I was discouraged by Republicans in Congress not seeing that we needed to pass safe banking as part of COVID relief. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I know NCIA has seen some successes on the House side with safe banking, but it just kind of keeps sitting in the Senate and not moving, as as we mentioned earlier. Aaron, I'm, I'm curious how you're reflecting on on how things have happened with cannabis during the COVID-19 pandemic. What were your impressions? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I mean, this was, I, I certainly wouldn't have imagined that cannabis would be deemed essential so quickly and, and, and overwhelmingly, although I, I didn't actually imagine any of this would happen uh, to begin with. But, but really, mm-hmm. I think that it presents an opportunity going forward. You know, there's this 2020, there's been two, you know, two issues that everybody is concerned about. One, uh, the economy in a, you know, in a death spiral as a result of uh, as a result of the pandemic and, and our federal government's mismanagement of it. Uh, and then uh, two, 
Uh, there's been, you know, a long overdue reckoning around racial justice and police brutality uh, and in this country and systemic racism. And, you know, cannabis alone is not going to solve any, either of those problems. But um, this is one issue going forward uh, that does actually, um, you know, does have a positive impact on, on trying to resolve both of those issues. And, and on one hand, of course, cannabis can help revitalize economies through uh, creating jobs and tax revenue, and, and that would otherwise be in an underground market, uh, in an underground market, which uh, as that, you know, evaporates, uh, we want to make sure that that uh, people of color and those who from communities that were more impacted by the war on, on marijuana are have a have a level playing field through equity programs. Um, but it's, you know, ending these arrests that, that are disproportionately uh, impacting black and brown people and arrested incarceration uh, is is another you know big driver. These are two big drivers for why any policymakers should want to get behind reform, and they happen to be front and center right now. And if you know, I don't have a lot of hope for bipartisanship uh, with Mitch McConnell at, at the helm in the Senate, as what we've seen. But if there is going to be some bipartisan, um, I do have some hope though that in that you know, and Joe Biden has a track record of uh, of reaching across the aisle in the Senate. Um, and if there's going to be some bipartisan legislation that's going to, you know, get through in this administration, um, I would think that they're probably dealing with those two issues. And NCIA will be there to make sure that uh, the industry uh, is, you know, always taken into account and always has a seat at the table as Congress um, works on whether it be, you know, a, uh, whether it be a criminal justice reform package and how cannabis might be able to fit into that. Or environment or uh, economic relief packages and how um, cannabis can fit into that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, we are ready for 2021, and we have adjusted to the needs of the pandemic with social distancing and so on. So with that, we by the time this episode airs, we will have wrapped up our first ever cyber conference, what would have normally been our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in San Francisco at the Moscone Center this last summer. It was transformed into a cyber summit to meet the needs and demands. This was tough for us, but it was the right choice. So we're optimistic about the future. We're looking forward to seeing how things improve in 2021 and hope to get back to not only hosting our award-winning thought leadership conferences across the country, but also our networking events, the Cannabis Caucuses, and my favorite event personally, Lobby Days, where hundreds of NCIA members fly into Washington, D.C. and walk the halls of Congress and talk with the offices. We didn't get to do that this year either, but uh, I think we're looking forward to next year. We're ready for 2021 and looking forward to welcoming many new NCIA members in from those five states that have joined our cannabis policy map. You can head to our website to check that map out, state policy map. It's interactive. Click on it to learn a little bit more about what's going on in those states. And Andrew and Aaron, we're wrapping up right on time today. Thank you both for joining me. Um, Andrew, would you like to share any parting thoughts? Just thanks so much for having me, Bethany. This has been great. Um, the, the podcast has been a huge success for NCIA, and I, I, I appreciate you inviting me to talk about the election. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And, and Aaron, you as well. Thanks for allowing me to do this podcast. And uh, please let me know if you have any parting thoughts here before we end the episode. Uh, yeah, just ditto. Thanks for uh, for doing this and, and having us on. And congratulations on 200 episodes. Um, we uh, look forward to another 200 ahead. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And thanks to all our listeners as well for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.